welcome to another episode of Politically Unchained. Today, I'd like to talk about a very important topic, uh, especially with the brand new president that is uh, finally got his inauguration. Uh, Joe Biden is a fairly, mm, most would consider him a moderate uh, progressive, uh, but that still brings into question socialism. And in the aspect of socialism, um, we really need to understand uh, what it really means. Like, how far does socialism go? Is socialism a true form of ideology? Um, what is it like to think in a socialist manner? Is socialism altruism? Or is it uh, virtue signaling? We'll find out today. And the very first thing that I'd like to do is define socialism from the most basic definition of socialism I can find, which would be on Merriam-Webster. And from Merriam-Webster, the dictionary says that the definition of socialism is any various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. A system of society or group living in which there is no private property. A system or condition of society in which the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. And a stage of society in Marxist theory transitional between capitalism and communism, distinguished by unequal distribution of goods and pay according to work done. Now I find it very important to fully define socialism because most people have their own definition of socialism. So, based off of Merriam-Webster's definition today, that's what I will be talking about. Uh, next week, or next episode, I am planning on having somebody that is, or believes, in a socialist cause. They, the person that I'm talking to currently is... Um, they're more of a Bernie Sanders socialist, which isn't necessarily a Marxist-Leninist socialist. So um, they still believe in private property, and that's something that is a big, big issue with people that um, don't agree with socialism in the first place, because uh, socialism always leads to full ownership by the government. Almost every single completely socialist government that we have in modern day, which ends up totaling to be 135 countries, by the way. If we go ahead, or roughly 135, um, I'm not going to make that an exact statement. I looked it up, and honestly, I'm starting to forget exact numbers. There's quite a few. A lot of them I did not even recognize as a... A modern country um, but that's a different topic 
but most of them uh, did become a Marxist-Leninist socialist country. And by that definition, it's communism. It's communism. Um, just like the People's Republic of China, that's just the fancy, uh, fancy terminology of saying socialist China, which, let's be clear here, it's not socialist China, it's communist China. You do not have equal work for equal pay. You do not have any stages of being able to move up the ladder. If you are born in rural China, you will die in rural China. It's, it, there's no other way out unless you get adopted or you escape. It is truly the way that it goes. Um, Hong Kong is a different breed. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a city-state in, in China, which is different. It's not necessarily um, its own... It's not necessarily its own body, but it does have its own rules. And there is capitalism in uh, Hong Kong, which makes it different and separate from China. And they even have their own uh, leaders in Hong Kong that don't agree with the, Chi the Chinese government. So I just keep that in mind. This is going to be more of a Marxist uh, socialism talk. So the very first thing that I'd like to get out here is the political theory of advocating collective or government ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. I'm going to really simplify this. The political theory of advocating collective or governmental ownership in all honesty, uh, is adding too many words. It's literally just governmental ownership. Uh, the collective is always just the government. And when it comes to socialism or any, any political theory in which you have to have a group of people come together as a full society and uh, converge that is the government okay so um, when we talk about people helping people unless it's a private industry thing where people are able to either profit off of it or donate to it um, when people help people it's typically typically going to be through the government um, good example is um, whenever we talk about disaster relief unless it's through a 501c3 disaster relief is going through the government rarely do you have uh, private industries jump in but they do and honestly that's one of the most important things about cap a capitalist society is because we do have so many different groups of people that are able to come together and end up helping uh, in disaster relief or in any emergencies period in a socialist country you only have one channel of response and that is the government 
because you do not have people that have the means or the productive capabilities to withstand an emergency. Take this last year, for example. We had hundreds of companies step up to make masks in America. We had tons of companies stand up for the ventilators that we found out that we didn't need to make those ventilators and provide a cheaper and quicker alternative for um, New York when they asked for, I think it was 1,120 ventilators. They used like 100 and then they found out that they weren't even effective for coronavirus which there's another thing where government is not really the answer because they were entirely wrong and ventilators are very expensive so i mean you're talking about there's over a million dollars worth of waste right there just because of just because they wanted ventilators to stop this uh this virus and to treat it uh, I do apologize. I'm probably going to be sniffling. My allergies are really acting up today. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, government ownership, that's, that's one of the biggest fears for capitalists because we know that government, although, albeit effective in judicial and executive processes, is not very efficient when it comes to managing or... Uh, managing projects um, let take it take a look at your um, government roads many of your government roads still have potholes we we complain about it all the time highways potholes um, cities potholes like whenever we have roads that are built by the government. There's potholes everywhere. Like, absolutely everywhere. But if you have ever traveled down a toll road, uh, most toll roads are public property, uh, are private property. It's the reason why it's a toll road. They are able to make money off of the toll or off of the cost to be able to go onto the road and that's what supplies them the means to continue to keep up on the production of the, the road so toll, toll roads I have been on I'd say less than 20 in my lifetime but within those 20 I've never seen a pothole it's pretty clear I've never seen a pothole at all on a toll road. But I see them every single day that I go to work. Work. I drive 45 minutes to go to work. And I, I can inevitably find between 10 and 15 potholes on my, way to, on, on my way to work. And that's on a good day. So let's go a little bit further down. And the administration and product means of production. 
and distribution of goods. So not only in this society is the government um, the sole owner, but they're also the administrator, production, and distributor of goods. So the government would have to uh, be a food store, make all of the produce for the food store and distribute everything in the food store so if you were working for that food store you would be a government employee if you were working on that farm that produced all the produce for the food store you would be a government employee it's, it's that simple and by that definition that's the way it sits so <clears throat> uh, further on, we have a system of society or group living in which there are is no private property. I don't know how I would feel about that. We inherently in the United States have a system of capitalist society. Um, we weren't necessarily built on capitalism, but the venture of capitalism was what drove the American economy. Um, when we first started out, we started off with a bartering system, which was the early onset of capitalism. But uh, America was unique in not having a social welfare program or any society or any civil. Um, issues at the time so America was just unique and started off directly with capitalism um, because the government didn't do anything in fact at the very beginning the US government had signed less than a hundred bills in, in the year George Washington you can look it up he signed one executive order in all eight of his terms. He served eight terms, one executive order. For the very first five presidents, not a single person exceeded five executive orders. It wasn't until government started to really expand in uh, the 18, 1880s and 1890s. Yeah, even during the Civil War, executive orders weren't a very big deal. And yes, I know that socialism would be inherently a legislative issue, but in the democratic socialism that we're talking about today, it would all be under the president. And the president would be the executive branch. He's the, uh, he's the person that executes everything when it comes to the legal issues at hand. So inherently, the President of the United States, under a socialist rule, would be the dictator, and yes, I'm using that term, but would be the dictator of what happens and how things happen when it comes to the bureaucrats and the bureaucracies that end up controlling the systems of government and controlling the society that we see.
So just keep that in mind that there's a very thin line between socialism and communism. And I still, other than the physical onset of um, political structure, I still struggle seeing the real difference between cap, uh, communism and socialism. Honestly, uh, I, honestly, from what I end up seeing through the actual structure, socialism is just communism with more filters. Because otherwise, they um, the government still has control over the over the police. The government still has control over all of the means of production. They have control over. Uh, just about every single set of principles and ideas allowed in the country that they are representing. And then, uh, definition number three was uh, a stage of society in Marxist theory transitional between capitalism and communism and distinguished by unequal distribution of goods and pay according to work done. Uh, this is a theory of pay by virtue instead of pay by wage or pay by work. So a, uh, a father of five who has a gimp leg or a messed up leg would inherently receive more for the exact same job than the father of three who walks perfectly fine. He's actually able to do more work than this man. Exact same job, exact same position, but because he only has uh, three children instead of five children and because he is healthy he's not going to make as much money and thusly he's not going to be able to provide as much for his family he's not going to have as many rations in a sense because yes they will still use a monetary form but it will not be a uh, true monetary form that we understand in a capitalist society where everything can go back to a standard form honestly whenever you do have a socialist society you truly are playing with monopoly money because the government owns everything thusly the government is the only person that you can turn to when you go to buy, sell, trade, um, make, work, consume. So the government is an ultimate monopoly when it comes to uh, products, period. Because as the definition says, says in which the me the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. So everything is controlled by the government. So there's nothing else that you can really do except for 
claim it as a monopoly, in which monopolies, we all know, aren't necessarily a good thing. They decrease the ability to reduce per, um, cost of goods. They decrease the social uh, welfare of the constituents of that company uh, or of that field. Economically speaking, a monopoly can be a very good thing for specific industries, but uh, other than that, a monopoly becomes a very dangerous game of how can I contact this person because they're the only person that I can go to. So there's no uh, competition between groups of people, there's no competition in sales, so there's no, no competition in pricing. It just means that everybody ends up losing by the end of the day because nobody makes money off of it, except for the monopoly. And that's where we stand with the government. Nobody makes any money off of their jobs in a socialist country, and only the government benefits from it. So, uh, it's sad to say it because socialism does sound like such a an appealing uh, theory everybody being able to live in harmony under a complete and equal society in which everybody is able to own a house in which everybody is able to safely and securely bring food back to their family in which everybody is able to do what they want But by the strict definition of socialism, you're limited to only being able to do what the government is able to provide you with. And I think that that's where we're at a crossroads today, because most people don't see that the government would be the hands and we would, the government would be the brains and we'd be the hands and sadly, we can't control our own lives at that point. Um, if in a democratic society there is democratically socialist society, there is a separate definition. Um, so democratic socialism, uh, I'll end up talking about uh, probably next week, hopefully next week. But I did want to go ahead and give a quick uh, precursor to that episode. And I hope that you, f you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you did, please share and leave a comment on whatever platform that you found this on. If you found it on my Facebook page, or Instagram, or Twitter, leave a like, comment, and uh, please subscribe to my, my podcast. I, we can talk about uh, different topics from more than one angle. This is politically unchained, so I want to be able to stay completely unchained and see from different people's point of view. You heard mine, and hopefully next week you'll hear a better one. This was Politically Unchained. Stay free in mind, strong in spirit, and rational in thought. Thank you.